and welcome to First Bite, the Pride of Detroit midweek Detroit Lions podcast, where we bring on a guest to talk all things Detroit Lions news, analysis, predictions, all that sort of fun stuff. My name is Jeremy Reisman. I am the man. I'm sorry. I'm the editor in chief of Pride of Detroit. Again, still getting used to that. You can find me at Detroit Online on Twitter. With me, co-hosting this week is Chris Perfett at Chris Perfett on Twitter. Chris, how are we doing tonight? I don't get a can't fancy new title. Um. We'll see. You got you got to work for it. <laughs> what do you mean? All up work for it. Listen, we're going through a whole new power structure. The Lions are going through a whole new power structure. We're going to get this into like, it. We, you, we're going to have to have a, a a meeting here and and kind of work out. You know, maybe a, a culture task force meeting to see, see what your uh, what your new role. <laughs> this is why you don't let millennials ever become bosses because then you tell them seniority and they don't know what that is. Like you just don't do it. Ever. Uh, no, we're having fun, Jeremy. And uh, I'm excited to do this today because uh, you know what? Screw it. I'm going to shut up. You you, you introduce him. Yes. Well, I'm, I'm sure what you were going to say is that we have one of your very favorite guests that we've had on the mm. show multiple times. One of my favorite guests as well. ESPN's Michael Rothstein is with us at Mike Rothstein on Twitter. Michael. Thanks for joining us again, buddy. Mike. Hey, no problem. Thanks for having me. I know it's been a, a couple months. I'm trying to remember the last time we did that, whether it was right after the Bob Quinn Patricia firing or if it was right around the last game of the season. I don't know. January felt like six months to me. So <laughs> yeah. I, I, I'm just I'm just pretending it's July, even though it's 30 degrees in we, Michigan right now. The the time time doesn't work anymore, Mike. I remember I was like on the air with someone and I think for some reason, Mr. and Mrs. Smith came up as a movie. And for some reason, I thought that movie was like five years ago and it was mm-hmm. like 15. <laughs> Yeah, so, I can tell you yeah. where I saw it. I saw it in really? Boone, North Carolina. Yeah, I saw that movie in Boone, North Carolina, because my brother lived there for about a year. My brother's younger than me, and I was living in uh, Virginia at the time. And I went down to visit him, and we went to uh, to see that movie in the movie theater in Boone, North Carolina, home, obviously college home, at least of former uh, Lions punter Sam Martin. <laughs> So Mr. and Mrs. Smith, you so Mike is a big Mr. and Mrs. Smith fan. He will be covering all of the miniseries coming soon from uh, streaming service X. Hey, I'm going to be a company man here and tell you that I am really excited for WandaVision's finale here tomorrow. And uh, I might I, I don't know whether it drops at midnight or not. I should know that. But if it does, I may just stay up and watch it because I've really enjoyed the series. <laughs> And obviously, we're off the rails as usual. Uh, yeah, as as going to say, do, do you have a, a promo code you can throw throw the listener some way to, to make it worth their while? Promo code, promo code. Hey, it helps you. It helps me if you pay that. So go promo code. Dis, go sign up for Disney Plus, and you also get ESPN Plus as well if you bundle it. Hey, there you go. And Hulu. Um, all right, let, let's get into some lines talk. Um, I want to talk uh, a topic that we've kind of avoided over the past week or two because Chris Bielman had some comments a couple weeks ago regarding Mar- Martha Ford, Sheila Fordham's uh, role with the team, and it kind of caused a kerfuffle. Um, Mike, I think you were actually one that asked um, Brad Holmes and, and Dan Campbell some questions about the, the infrastructure, the power structure, that sort of thing. Um, let, let's get into that. Let's examine that a little bit because um, – I think maybe there are some concerns about what what is currently set up in terms of who has what decisions and all that sort of stuff. I'm, I'm kind of curious about what you thought of of the answers this week and, and what your thoughts are on on how the power structure is set up currently. Well, I am just still trying to figure out 
if I am an alpha, first of all, and if I need to then know when to concede, <laughs> if that ends up being the case. Listen, right, let's start here, right? Sheila Fortham, people can say whatever they want. She owns the team. She can literally do whatever she wants because, say it with me, she owns the team. So if she wants to sit on meetings, okay, that's her right. She could be Jerry Jones if she wanted to. She could be an owner that doesn't even pay attention. She is neither one of those things. Sheila Fordham, and I, I think I was on maybe soon after I wrote the profile on her in September, uh, or we've talked about it, I know, on the show before, that the one thing that she is going to do is if she is involved in something, she's going to actually be involved, but she's going to let the people that she hires to make decisions actually, you know, make the decisions. And that's clearly what she's doing here. And you heard that from Dan Campbell and from Brad Holmes that like, yeah, they may have her there. Like she may sit in a meeting because she wants to know what's going on, but when they've asked her opinion, she's like, I paid y'all. You do what's right. And of course, listen, that's no different than any owner. And that's no different than years past whenever there's been a big ticket decision, right? Who's had to sign off on it? The person signing the checks. And who's signing the checks? Well, someone with the last name Ford or Hamp. So that I don't I don't understand why people got so annoyed over that, other than I think it's the off season and people sometimes like to find things to be annoyed about. Like, of course your owner is going to sit out on meetings and just think about it too. If you are, I, all I heard, granted I didn't start covering the team in 2013, but all I heard was that ownership doesn't care. Ownership doesn't care. This is just a paycheck to them. How often did we all hear that as yeah. people cover the team? Now you have an owner that's caring and you're like, whoa, whoa <laughs> wait a minute now. We don't want that. Like, Make up your mind. You don't get both sides of you don't get both sides of the pot. Pick a side. Like you right. either want your owner to not care, or you want your owner to at least care enough to maybe be different and change things. And I think that's what we're seeing. So to me, Sheila Ford Hamp, that that's like a non-starter or non-issue. Like, of course she's going to be in meetings if she wants to be. And if you saw what she did last year, this should not come as a surprise to you because she was around last year, even in a COVID environment. Yeah, I think I think it's that that last point there is kind of what probably touched off is that a we're not used to this in Detroit. It's a complete change, and I mean we have seen a lot of owner uh, stories kind of break in the past few years about, and it's never really been good when owners have jumped in. It's been you know Dan Snyder's kind of being held up as kind of that er example. But I remember people similarly freaking out about Shad Khan when Shad was like, "Yeah, after dealing with Tom Coughlin, I kind of want to have like you know a." a a sign off on this but as you say like it's their teams at the end of the day so i mean it's i i, I think it's i think that it, it's some concern that it is going to be a dan snyder situation but again that just doesn't fit i think the profile of of ford hamp herself and not, I, not in the slightest and i i think really the the main source of consternation is simply the fact that it's a ford doing all this right Right. It, well, like, yeah, the, the Fords the people, in the past, William Clay Ford and Ethan yeah. Martha were very, very, uh, some would say to a fault with William Clay Ford, very hands off. Right. But I, I think I think the people that that were saying, you know, they didn't care enough. They're just done with the Ford. So now that there's mm -hmm. a Ford kind of in there mingling that that's probably where the concern is. I'm with you all you guys. I think it's ridiculous. I think you want an owner that at least knows how the sausage made, is made. Right. Like. How else is she supposed to, if things don't go right with this regime, 
how is she going to know where things went wrong if she's not there in the meetings? Absolutely. And and the other part of it to me that I find so funny is that people also, you know, two months ago, three months ago, were so up in arms about Rod Wood. And it's like, well, if Sheila's not <laughs> going to be around, then who's going to like, it's not like yeah. they're just going to like be like, hey, we don't, we hired you. We don't care what to go. We don't, yeah, Rod Wood, famous you're spending our money. Person. Go for it. Knock yourself <laughs> out. Like, no, that, I mean, come on. Like, like you don't get your cake and eat it too. And then get to like, you know, also go and get a frosty at Wendy's. Like you don't get all of those <laughs> options to have together. Like you just, you don't. And to me, I think that what you, we've seen is an evolution of ownership because he, when William Clay Ford owned the team, it was really his son who was around doing a lot of the day-to-day stuff as kind of proxy for the family, right? And Tom Lawan, but but Bill Jr. was around. Like, he knew what was going on. He was the one who sat on committees. Then, you know, William K. Flay, Flay Ford Sr. dies, and Martha takes over. And Martha was more involved than people want to give her credit for. I mean, she did meet with, she showed up weekly. She was at every game, like literally every game, she was a you know while she was the owner and that i think was another step in a direction and now you're seeing the next evolution in that in what shield is doing and and i think that that's going to be what should be expected again i think that this is a positive for the lions because i don't get the sense she's going to be like you know what I'm just going to be GM now too. Like I, yeah. I don't get that sense because they there's like seven people they hired that have that type of like credibility slash pedigree slash like experience that that would be just like what are you wow what are you doing like I I, I don't that. I, I I don't know. I just, I can't believe we spent whatever five ten minutes even talking about this because I, to right. me it's and I think I tweeted it at the time when like someone I forget who brought it up on 97 one because that's where it came from like i was like why is this a thing like again she owns the team these are her or her family's billions of dollars like i'm sorry if i was a billionaire and i was giving millions upon millions of dollars to people i would want to know what was going on too that just seems smart right but you you, sorry Um, i was just gonna yeah i was just gonna say she's not running down to to get off the yacht and make the pick like dan snyder so yeah. right go on jeremy i'm sorry oh well i, I want to bring up because you, you brought up the lines have you know seven people in that front office with the pedigree to make those kind of roster decisions and i think that might be the one place where there might be a legitimate criticism of this front office setup this power structure and that there's a lot of cooks in the kitchen you got you know you got ray agnew you got john dorsey you got mike disner you got you know, Dan Campbell, who says he's going to be very much involved in, in all these roster decisions. Is that how you see it? Can this kind of work with that many personalities? I know they say, you know, it's all going to be kumbaya and, and we're, no egos and things like that. But like, I mean, the elephant in the room is John Dorsey hasn't necessarily been that. He's kind of had some some maybe some power structure battles, it sounds like, from Cleveland. So I don't know. I Is the right to at least have some skepticism of how hunky-dory they seem to be pitching this whole thing absolutely Uh, and that's why i asked the question of dan campbell and if for those who didn't watch the press conference i asked him well if you disagree two of you disagree who makes the decision and he says brad and i do (laughs) and then i was like okay that's great but who makes the decision when the two of you disagree and that's when he gave this whole long answer and that's where the alpha you know conceding 
uh, line came from, which was the line of the press conference, at least from Dan Campbell, and then Brad Holmes's different flavors was was his line of the press conference. Uh, right. They're certainly more entertaining than than Bob Quinn and <laughs> Matt Patricia, to say the least. But as far as too many, yeah, that's a major concern. I, I wouldn't say major. That is a legitimate concern, and they can say all these things right now because they haven't had to make a major player decision yet other than Matthew Stafford, which was kind of made for them in a lot of ways, right? right? Like, we'll see what they do with Kenny Galladay. They don't. They haven't had to agree or disagree on a major free agent signing. And I don't know if that's going to come this year because of their cap situation and just the reality of things. They haven't had to agree or disagree on a draft pick or 53-man roster decision of maybe a high-priced veteran that one person likes and one person doesn't. Like That's where it's going to get interesting. So I think right now they can say all these things and believe it, but they haven't coached a game. They haven't made a major franchise decision outside of Matthew Stafford. So let's see what this looks like in a year is kind of where I'm at. And if they can make it work, hey, that's awesome for them if they can figure it out because they've done something that I think a lot of people can't do and a lot of people have tried to do and have failed in in doing that. But I think, again, that all comes from Sheila Ford-Hamp. And that's what she has wanted from like the jump when she got rid of Bob Quinn and Matt Patricia. And she said that in that press conference the day, the day that they got fired them was, I want everybody on the same page, everybody on the same team. So she's hiring those people. And Listen, the one thing that I think is a good thing with what they've done is that everybody has different experiences from different places, right? But almost everybody that's in a major decision role in that front office has a tie to Brad Holmes or a connection to Brad Holmes, whether it's Ray Agnew from the Rams or John Dorsey from having, you know, really wanted Brad Holmes on his staff. So... There's that. And then Dan Campbell's obviously the outlier there, but almost everybody on Dan Campbell's staff, it feels like he knew in some form or fashion, even though, again, they had different different experiences. So it's not like the last regime where everybody came from the same place and the same thing. So it's not really groupthink. It's just guys with different groups of experiences, but they all know each other already. So you would have to think they have some sort of familiarity. Where I think it will get interesting is if Brad Holmes and Dan Campbell disagree. And those two sides disagree. And that's where I, I wonder what would happen down the road. But listen, winning cures everything. And I think everybody understands this is going to be a long building process. But yes, I think there is reason to have question, as I yeah. did, about what this is really going to look like. And and listen, it could be as simple as they don't want to say it, but you know, Campbell has control over the 53. And, and, Brad, and I don't know, this is just me speculating, just to be clear. You know, Campbell has 53 man control. Brad Holmes has control over draft, like over the draft and free agency, like a lot of places that is what the power structure ends up being. So it's possible that that's just what the power structure is. And right. they just don't want to call it that. Because but, they, they they kept saying like the term too, like, you know, everyone has a defined role. They kept saying that they wouldn't say what the roles were, but they kept saying everyone's got a defined right. role. I like, so I don't know if y'all watched the West Wing or, or did. It's like my favorite show <laughs> all time on television. But but early on in that first, I think it was the first season or the second season, uh, Josh Lyman is one of the characters. He goes up to the press room and he is not prepared to, to do this. And he talks about uh, the president's plan to fight inflation. The president doesn't have a plan to fight inflation. So then there is a secret plan that is deemed that he has a secret plan to fight, fight inflation because he's not, <laughs> he's not. So it involves in this whole thing because it just of a misstep or like, so that's like when that defined role thing comes out, it's like, well, what are the, we're not going to say what they define. Well, all right. Yeah. Like, 
Come on. <laughs> you, you mentioned winning cures all. And I think, uh, well, first off to the question of what are they going to do if they just butt heads? It's just, yeah, they're just going to be alphas, man. They're just going to be alphas and I'll give the floor or whatever. Uh, I did want to talk about, though, you, you mentioned winning cures all, which brings us to there's always the question of of winning culture. And everyone just says, oh, you want to build better, better. Bleh, I can speak build better culture. You just win. I don't know if I agree with that, but clearly they, the Lions also agree with me that they don't agree with that because we have this culture task force now, which has brought us some uh Interesting lines like Chris Spielman sitting down with everyone asking them what one pride means to them. And uh, some, you know, I, I'm sure there's probably trust falls in there, too, and and corporate team <laughs> retreats and everything. Reps courses. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, I it takes me back to my days when I had to do marketing. I hate that stuff. But just I, I it, what I, I, I'm just curious, like what this thing is right now, because like on one hand, it is cool to see everyone kind of getting on the same page. But I think already in sports, you already have that locus. That is, this is a big giant team sport where everyone comes together and everyone's kind of already preternaturally disposed to teamwork. So what, what exactly is going on with the, uh, the cult, the, let me make sure I get this right. The culture task force, the CTF. (laughs) I, uh, so I'm, I'm a big fan, and Jeremy's heard me say this before. I'm a big fan of saying when you're not sure about something you don't know, I don't know is a perfectly acceptable answer. And I am <laughs> going to say, I honestly don't know. I, I don't, <laughs> you know, maybe I? that's a bad thing as a beat person to say, but I I, I don't know what this thing's going to look like. I don't even know what it, what it means. It's kind of just... You know, it could very, very much just be this like nebulous thing that Chris Spielman's trying to do. It could be something that is very legitimate. I, I don't, I don't have the answer to that question, Chris. I, I wish I did. Um, I think it, you know, probably falls in line. And again, this is just me speculating, right? With what we just talked about, which is like they want everybody to be on the same page from the top down, and that comes from Sheila and. Sure. I mean, listen, when we talk about defined roles, I mean, Chris, what is Chris Spielman's defined role? We still don't know. Yeah. You know, it's special assistant to Sheila and Rob, but also around guy who's around and and doing everything. I, 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 I I don't know, man. Like, (laughs) I, I just like that. That's sure. I, but I understand why he's there. And to me, I mean, so Texas, right? To go to the college space for a minute. So everyone knows Matthew McConaughey is like the minister of culture at, at Texas, <laughs> all right, right? All right. I all mean, right. like that's no, but that's really what I like when they hire Chris Spielman. Like that's what that felt like to me. It's like you're hiring somebody right. who has great ties to this or to the organization, or in Texas' case, the school, who is a great ambassador for the organization, or in Texas's case, the school, and he's going to be involved in a whole bunch of different things, as Matthew McConaughey is living in Austin. But like that's kind of what I think Chris Spielman's role is. He just maybe has a little bit more football experience than Matthew McConaughey would have, you know, running anything in an athletic department. So that's kind of, I think, where I see it. Yeah. Well, let me ask you then. Oh, sorry. Real quick. Really. Yeah, I was uh, just gonna say, in, in case in case anyone doesn't know, you know what we're talking about. Why the, the whole culture task force? Chris Bielman talked about it on Tory Petrie's uh, One Pride podcast. Basically, Chris Bielman is doing everything, and he's got a group of three other individuals helping to establish and and maintain a culture that also bridges together the uh, football and business side of the, 
of, of operations. Let, let me uh, let me just to, to close this up, then let me ask Mike, since uh, we're, we're on the subject, what does one pride mean to you? <laughs> um, <laughs> it, it, it is the slogan that I see all of the time during football season. That is what it means to me. Mm. You knew you knew <laughs> very, what that very answer poor, was going to be. Very yeah. poor well, culture. That's probably a better I, answer than you thought you were going to get. From <laughs> very, very poor culture right now, Mike. We're going to have to work on that. We're going to have to send Chris Spielman. Well, over you know, one, as I have long said, and to much of the consternation of a certain segment of Lion fans, I am not a fan of the franchise. I am not a a hater of the franchise. I am merely someone who covers it on a day to day basis. So. One pride to me means it's my like that's part of my job. That's I mean, come on, like I, like I, like you're you knew what was coming. Come on, it it has more meaning to me than dagger time. I will say that, but um, not much. Uh, anyways, uh, with that, we're gonna take a break. When we come back, we are gonna look ahead to free agency, the draft. We're gonna make some off season predictions. Again, we're here with ESPN's Michael Rothstein. We'll be right back on first bite. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. And we are back with First Bite here with ESPN's Michael Rothstein to talk some Lions football. Let's get into the offseason ahead because we're only a couple weeks away from free agency. Big things are going to happen even before then. And so let's talk. I really guess the the, the biggest domino yet to fall um, with the Detroit Lions, and that's Kenny Galladay. Um, we we didn't get a lot of answers. I don't think really from from the press conferences there. They kind of walked along, walked around what they're going to do, saying they're they're keeping all their options open. They're exploring every option with him. Do you have a gut feeling, Mike, of of what's going to happen with Kenny Galladay? Is he going to stay in Detroit? Is he going to get a franchise tag? Is he going? You know, if you ask me this question two, three weeks ago, my answer would have been, I think they tag him and try to trade him. Uh, I know there's some numbers out there that that's not all that common, but it happens like once a year. So there is no reason to think, especially if you turned it around in a short time frame before really free agency got going in, in a heavy way, then I think it's something that could potentially work. Or you maybe hope out that somebody loses out on free agency and, and goes from there. 
I now I don't really know. I can see them go like any direction they go would not surprise me. And, and I asked Brad Holmes specifically about whether the cap number and whatever that cap number is plays a role. And he didn't say no. Right. And that to me was kind of maybe an indicator. And I think you've seen it around the league, right? I don't believe, maybe I missed one, uh, but I don't believe anyone's been tagged yet. And I think part of that is people are trying to wait to see what this number is because the difference between 180 million and 185 or 186 million with some guys and some tags and some cap situations is the difference between wanting to keep the guy around for a year or not. And, And I think that that's maybe the situation for the Lions too, because listen, they made one move today to free up some room and they are planning to release Desmond Trufant as uh, ESPN's Adam Schefter reported. I anticipate there will be more moves coming yep. because they still do have to get under the cap. But I think if if they decide they want to keep Kenny Galladay around, then yeah, tag him. But again, knowing kind of that this is a long-term plan, long-term rebuild, I think if you are tagging Kenny Galladay, you're pretty much punting on this free agent class because you're just not going to have the money to do it unless you're tagging him and trading him right away. And that to me is where it gets a little bit interesting. And if you let, that's the other thing too. And I said this, um, I did a clubhouse on Tuesday thing. And, and also I've, I've said it a couple other places, if you let him walk, it probably also means you're not necessarily going to be big players in free agency because you're probably going to be trying to get that third round comp pick back. And like, so you don't want to go spend big in free agency. Now, I look at what is out there in free agency. I don't know whether the Lions would be big players for many people out there right now. I mean, there's a couple guys that would make a lot of sense. But again, it's a financial, to me, it's a finance plus age situation. Because if you are going to sign someone who's a bigger ticket free agent, you're probably looking at a four or five year deal on a guy who's, what, 25, 26 years old? Like that, I, I don't think you sign anyone 28, 29 years old. You sign a new tree. Like, what, what's that going to get you? Because every, like, all indications are the plan is to be really competitive by 23, right? I mean, like that, everybody seems to, to feel like that, at least maybe outside the organization. But they've even said they want to build this thing sustainably and they want to build through the draft. So I can't see them throwing a lot of money at somebody who's not going to be still in their prime or a foundational piece in 2023 and 2024. And the question too, frankly, is whether Kenny Galladay is that. And I don't know the answer to that because he'll be hitting 30 and he's a big-bodied wide receiver. And that can get a little bit dicey if injuries start to really take their toll. And he's had some injury problems in the past, although you know I think that that could easily go away. Speaking of big bodied wide receivers, do you think, you know, the the Lions just signed Terrell or at least agreed to terms to sign Terrell Williams? Nothing's official until the league calendar begins here, but they're going to sign Terrell Williams. You know, he has Anthony Lynn background and everything, but he does kind of fit that same profile as Kenny Galladay, a big six, four big bodied receiver, just more, more kind of like Marvin Jones than Galladay, but still like, they're they're already spending on one wide receiver out there to try to replace up to five that they're currently looking at who are their unrestricted free agents. And as far as I see as Terrell Williams, it might be a sign that they're just not going to, they're going to let Kenny Galladay probably explore free agency at this point. Possibly. It's entirely possible. I took that more as what we all kind of knew, which is Marvin Jones and Danny Amendola aren't coming back. And that is kind of that Marvin Jones, Danny Amendola role that I think that Tyrell Williams 
will play. And it's interesting because Tyrell Williams, the second he hit the market, everyone really seemed to to believe and think that he was going to end up in Detroit because of that connection with Anthony Lynn. So I don't know. I mean, it's possible that you might be right, Chris. That is entirely possible. Plus, I think a receiver at seven in the draft would make a lot of sense. And then you've got your, you know, you've got a a future one, potentially a receiver, if you're using them at seven, whether that's Devonta Smith, Jalen Waddell, or Jamar Chase. And or since Ryan's not here, I'll just throw in Kyle Pitts too, just in case. <laughs> I mean, listen, I don't think they're going to – I that would be – of any player that they could take, that would be the one that would surprise me the most, other than like somebody completely out of nowhere that's like – at, you know that they could probably have had at you know at a different spot, but that to me could be the future of the receiver room. And you know, it wouldn't shock me if it wouldn't sh- like I said, it wouldn't shock me anyway. But I, I think Terrell Williams was a smart signing for them because again, you want somebody who knows the offense, which he's going to know. You want somebody who's going to understand the culture that Anthony Lynn's trying to bring to the offense. He's going to have that. So that to me was a smart signing. And to as I said, I think it's more a you know, final, obvious, we we all knew that Marvin Jones and Danny Amendola weren't going to be back. But to me, that says absolutely that that's not going to happen. And I think that they can kind of figure out the Kenny Galladay stuff. I think that's separate maybe from the Tyrell Williams discuss, the, you know, decision. That yeah. That's at least how I take it. But, you know, I could be wrong too, because if they decide they want to really target a receiver at seven, then maybe that is the sign that, yeah, they're going to move on from Kenny Galladay. And and Tyrell Williams kind of represents that kind of signing that you think the Lions are going to make. And I think you're right there. It's, it's those short one-term kind of prove-it deals because, you know, he he is a, a 27, 28-year-old guy. He's, he's probably not a guy that's going to be uh, a guy of the future, a guy that you're leaning on. But for establishing the culture in the first year, thinks he, I think you're right. He makes a, a ton of sense there. The one thing with Kenny Galladay, though, with with franchise tagging, and, and I want to hear your thoughts on this, is is there a chance they're – they're going to use that simply to buy more time to make him a, 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 a long-term offer because sure. uh, to me, I, I'm, I'm with you. It doesn't, it doesn't make a lot of sense to give him, you know, 16.4 or whatever it's going to be a million for, for one year, if you're going to move on, but, but it does buy them some extra time to, to potentially get that long-term deal. And maybe he's a guy that they do believe in as a guy that can be a part of the team three, four years down the road. Sure, absolutely. I think that's a possibility. I, 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 you heard what they said that they believe he's a number one wide receiver, and yeah. those guys, as I, you know, as many receivers are coming into the league now, and as much talent as there is at the position, number one receivers still are, are rarities, and, and guys with Galladay's skill set in a lot of ways are rarities because he is more of a contested ball receiver. He's a guy who can win in tight spaces. And let's be honest, if they're going to give a Jared Goff an honest evaluation, and by all accounts, they're going to give him an honest evaluation in 2021 to see if he can be the future because that solves your quarterback problem if you do right. that. Yep. Like Then you need a receiver that that you know you can count on, and that could be Kenny Galladay. So you may, if again, if you're – Real thought process is you want to compete by 22 or 23. Maybe you do that because that also gives you a better evaluation of Jared Goff in your offense and in your system. And I think Brad Holmes is clearly a believer in Jared Goff. So I don't think you, it would be fair to Jared Goff to try to evaluate his ability on the future if your wide receiver core is, you know, Tyrell Williams, Jalen Waddell, Quintez Cephas, and two other guys. Like that's a tough 
that's a tough evaluation to make. Now, if he plays well in it, then you know, right? You, you know, I, I, that. So I think you might. That could be. That to me is like this little hidden part of this, right? That they want to maybe be to get a real true evaluation there of whether you're going to have the 2017 or 2018 Jared Goff, or you're going to have the Jared Goff for the last two years that did not necessarily play as well. Since we're on Jared Goff, let me ask then, because I know we just had this conversation on our podcast and I know, you know, we still need to see if quarterback is a big is like something the Lions target in the first round of this draft. But we just got done talking in our last podcast about whether or not you restructure Jared Goff's contract, reduce his cap hit for this year and maybe look at him that you're just holding on to him potentially for more than you know, at least the next two years, uh, like wh- where's your, where's your position on that? I mean, I think it maybe depends on how active you want to be in the free agent market. It depends on how much you actually believe in Jared Goff and it depends on who you can get. Like, so let's just for argument's sake, right? Let's say you franchise Galladay, you want to make a real legit offer at John Johnson because that that could bolster your secondary. And he's 25, 26 years old. So you maybe offer him a five-year deal, again, to be a foundational piece. And say you want to keep Romeo Aquara. Like, let's just say that. Like that, like say like that's your that's your free agency plan. Or go after, say, Trey Hendrickson, who's 26 years old. Again, that youngish pass rusher. Pass rushers also tend to hit their prime more in like 29, 30, 31 versus other positions. So if that's your plan, then yeah, you probably want, you probably need, well, A, I think you need to restructure Jared Goff. And you probably also want to because like you're starting to build that foundational piece. If you're not going to be active in free agency at all and you make enough cuts to get down to where you have enough money for the rookies and enough money for some other guys here or there, maybe you restructure, but you don't have to re- Like that's the thing with restructures. You don't have to restructure the whole thing. You can restructure 3 million of it. And that's not gonna gonna kill you down the road if you want to move on from him at some point. You know, I mean, you could probably even restructure. I would say up to ten million of it, and I don't think it would do you that much damage, provided the salary cap gets once everything with COVID hopefully gets straightened out back to where it was in the past. So again, those are all different machinations that that come into play, and. You know, I, I think we'll get a sense of the Jared Goff restructure conversation. I think we'll get a sense probably by the time free agency starts, because if the Lions make a couple of big moves in that tampering period before they can actually even have Jared Goff on the roster to restructure that contract, then I think we know that a restructure is coming. If they do nothing, then maybe they just ride it out and don't restructure it, but or restructure a smaller portion of it. But those are all options. And I mean, listen, restructures are common. Like they are. I mean, they happen with every team. And I mean, think of how many times Matthew Stafford got restructured. I think of how many times Calvin Johnson, when he was with the Lions, got restructured. You know, it was like a yearly thing almost. So I think Marvin Jones even got restructured at one point. Um, So that to me, I think is is kind of like if they they'll do it if they need it. And every team has that in their back pocket. So I think that we'll see whatever moves they make and that'll tell us whether there'll be a restructure there. I I can't imagine them restructuring the whole thing. Um, That would be, especially with the way they've talked. I mean, even Dan Campbell said it that, you know, maybe they don't go after the big free agents, but they go after like the under the radar gritty guys, um, you know, (laughs) paraphrasing. But that to me is, okay, maybe you need a few million to make that happen, but you don't need to restructure like the twenty. You know the twenty plus million of it to then hamper you down the road and put yourself in you know salary cap purgatory. Well, while we're on the quarterback uh, 
topic. Let's let's fast forward to the draft here because uh, you had that conversation with your your coworker there, Mel Kuyper Jr., and he seems convinced that the Lions should pass on a quarterback. Uh, with the seventh overall pick, they've got bigger needs. They kind of have to maybe develop a, a core around a, a young quarterback before going quarterback. The Lions have kind of talked their way around that. You know, we heard Brad Holmes say specifically, like, if you're in the top 10, you have to at least do your research. Um, Dan Campbell, he was on uh, uh, Dan Patrick today, and he said something like, "Of we like where we're headed at quarterback, but we're keeping all of our options open. Based on everything you've heard, based on your own opinions, is quarterback still on the table right now at seven? I mean, I think it depends how the draft plays out, right? I mean, like that that's if if all of a sudden Justin Fields or Zach Wilson is sitting there at seven and you like them, you love them, you take them. Uh what what has happened to me with between getting Jared Goff and getting those extra first rounders in 22 and 23 is this offered the Lions flexibility because now they can either package those assets to get up in this year's draft if they really, really wanted to, but they can package those assets to get up in next year's draft if Jared Goff's not your guy, or even in 2023 if Jared Goff is not your guy. And you know, to me, that's where I think that that all helps. And I think if the right player is there, I think they'd take them. But I don't get the sense that it's this have-to-have-them type situation because that's the thing too. If you're picking at seven – that might be the fourth or fifth best quarterback in the draft. Well, that's nice, but you can probably get the second best. If that ends up being the case, you can either get the best offensive lineman in the draft and your like tackle situation solved for like the next half decade, or you can take the second best or maybe worse third best. But like the, they're so interchangeable, like based on the board, that receiver. Or you take the best defensive player in the class, although I kind of agree with Mel Kuyper that I think seven's probably too high for a defensive player. But that's the beauty of it, too, is if there is a team out there that loves Trey Lance, if Trey Lance is still there, or loves Mac Jones, if Mac Jones is still there, with Carolina sitting at eight and Denver at nine and, you know, like a Washington or a New England or, you know, heck, even Carolina in, you know, fear. And we've seen that trade back, trade up one pick scenario before. Like you can get more draft capital. And what does Brad Holmes like want more than anything in the world? I think right now is draft capital, and we've seen that. So I think that that's maybe why I would not expect them to take a quarterback because I don't think they need to. But it would not if the right guy fell to them and they felt like that was their franchise guy for the future. It wouldn't surprise me if they did. Uh, you know, one one thing that I thought was really interesting that a couple of people had said to me. I think it was Mel Kiper that said to me is. That, you know, like this is the most mysterious draft out there. There's so many unknowns. So I think if there's a known commodity you can take, you take it. That's me. Like that second part is me. If there is a known commodity in this draft, you take that known commodity over the unknown commodity because there are so many unknowns with everything that is out there. And to me, like that's just that's just kind of how I see it. I I would be surprised if they took a quarterback, but if the right quarterback was there, uh, it would. It, I wouldn't be sitting there in April and be like, oh wow, they took a quarterback. Oh, my mind is blown. Like no, I'd be like, all right, clearly this is the guy they believe in, and you kind of see what they do with everything else down the road after that. I think there, the last thing I would say on this, there, I think there are, there are two schools of thought here when it comes to quarterback. Right, one is you get your franchise quarterback first, and you build around that quarterback. The other is what I call the Tampa Bay model. And I don't think Tampa Bay did this model purposely, but 
it is kind of what happened yeah. in that they built the rest of the team and a really strong team. And then they went and got the quarterback and an ancillary piece last. And that's what put them over the top. Yeah, and that's old. That's I, like old school. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that the Lions could with all of this draft capital, right? They could do that over the next three years. And then I'm, I'm trying like, I mean, listen, we all see what's going with like Russell. Well, I'm just going to throw this out there. Three years from now, Russell Wilson, right? Or Deshaun Watson. <laughs> but, but whatever it is. Yeah, yeah. Either one, either one. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. Big yeah. 30s guy, right? Like that right. That wants to win a title. Like the Lions have, have come. Like I'm just saying that if you build the rest of the team and your last piece is a quarterback, it seems like more and more there are veteran options available that are good. Now, we've seen that because look at it last year. Tom Brady, Phillip Rivers. Like both those guys got their teams to the playoffs. And that to me is a sign that like, if you want to go that model, if you can find the right quarterback, you can. And then also what it does too, is it extends your window theoretically, because if you go on top of that and then draft your rookie quarterback behind that guy, like then you got the rookie quarterback and you can still pay all those other players. It's a different way of looking at things than I think people have done in the past. But that to me is maybe that not done purposely, but that Tampa Bay model is really intriguing to me of what could potentially be something that teams might try to emulate in the future. It's a really good point. It's a really good point. And I think we're going to close on that. Uh, before, before we do though, Mike, uh, let, let me uh, give you the floor to promote whatever you got out there. Maybe if you got some upcoming stories, I know at some point you teased, you got like a really good quote. And I don't know if you can tease us what that yeah, was from really, or okay. anything. So my really good quote came actually ran on uh, Wednesday. Oh, Tuesday. Uh, so it was a boxing quote. It had nothing to do with the Lions, which I basically <laughs> tried to say. Um, I wrote about Clarissa Shields. She's actually fighting on pay-per-view tomorrow night. It's the first female uh, or first pay-per-view card headlined by a female fight in 20 years. Uh, it's the first all-female paper, women's pay-per-view card. And Clarissa Shields, who's from Flint, is headlining it. So I spent a good amount of time over Zoom and whatever talking with her. Uh, and one of the other fighters I spoke with who's not on this card gave me a quote about how basically I'm going to paraphrase this, go read the story. Like boxing is the bad boyfriend compared to MMA. And like MMA is the one with the Cadillac and the, the nice car. And it was just, I, it was the most real quote I've gotten in a while. I tweeted it a couple of times because it, like that to me was like the money quote. Um, I do have some stories coming up. I can't really talk about them right now. Uh, I have one, I believe is running this weekend that I've been working on for a while and I'm really excited about. Uh, I've got a couple other coming down the road, some profiles, some features that would be kind of obvious based off of who's been hired that I've been working on. So Dan Campbell, Brad Holmes, I don't think that's like a secret type thing as most people will probably be working on those, but I've, I've talked to some really interesting people and there's some stuff I have at least as of now, knock on wood, that that no one has uh, written about yet. So uh, that's basically what I've got coming up. You can follow me on the social medias, Twitter, Instagram, now Clubhouse too at Mike Rothstein, uh, Facebook at Michael Rothstein Journalist. And yeah, I'll be just, you know, hunkering down, busy during free agency, like always. And yeah, I'm trying to do clubhouse chats maybe once a week. And, you know, if y'all want to come by and it's going to be very free flowing, ask whatever questions, there's not going to be much of agenda, an agenda. It might be very much similar to like the mailbag versions of my podcast. Only you actually get to talk this time uh, back when I have my podcast. So thank you all again for having me. I always love coming on the show. It's always a blast. And we always seem to go longer than Jeremy wants to, which <laughs> makes me happy. Because <laughs> well, that makes just, me happy. I feel like there's just like a little bit of annoyance with him when we no. go How longer. Dare you. How dare uh, you? That, that Mike, let me let you on a secret. That's Jeremy me all the time 
What? Chris, you're the one that's always hurrying up the show. You've got the radio guy where we got to get to break. We got to get to break. I'm fine. No, no. I'm chilling. I, when when do I hurry us along? When do I hurry us along? <laughs> All the mm. time. Chat, how many times do you do you see this? Now don't don't appeal to chat. This is for the recorded version it's of fine. the podcast. They are not part of it. Like, they will right. get they will get their time. <laughs> uh, but Mike, we we obviously always appreciate you joining the show. Uh, you're you're a blast I have here, and uh, and you you bring a bevy of information as well, which we appreciate. So, thanks again for joining us. Thank you all for listening. We'll be back for with the main podcast Monday nights live on our Twitch and YouTube pages. You'll get it on the podcast feeds Tuesday mornings. But until then, thank you all for listening. It's chaos. Be kind. <laughs>